Congregation of the Dead, Part 22, Second Half, Part F. O Lord, in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk 3.2. Now a short review. Publican Matthew, chapter 9, verse 12. But when Jesus heard that, that is why he was having dinner with low-life publicans, he said unto them, that is, to the fake Bible teachers, they that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Verse 13, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. I will have mercy and not fake churchgoers. We learned that King Saul followed part of the command given to him by God, but not all of the command. And so Prophet Samuel rebuked him, saying, To obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Verse 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity or self-righteousness and idolatry. And because thou, King Saul, hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And King Saul, King Saul lost his job over this. For his stubbornness caused him to reject God's word and to do contrary to it, and yet he sacrificed anyway. God said it would have been better to be obedient than to sacrifice. The sacredness of sacrifice had lost its meaning and had become routine, just as church has become routine to many church members. So Jesus exhorts us that he will have mercy and not sacrifice. So in this message, let us focus our attention on the words of Jesus when he says, I will have mercy. Notice that Jesus does not say that he might have mercy, but he says, I will have mercy. When will he have mercy? Or who does he shed his mercy upon? Do we remember from a previous message, Psalm 103, verse 11? For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward who? That is correct, toward them that fear him. Let us remember that mercy cannot be untied from fear. The more we fear Christ, the greater is his mercy towards us. And what is it about him that we are to fear? How does Jesus want us to live our life? That is correct. Jesus commands us to be perfect, not endeavor to be perfect, but to be perfect or holy, which we all know is impossible. Matthew 5 verse 48 Jesus commands be ye therefore perfect even as your father 
which in heaven is perfect. And what does Moses tell us will happen if we are not perfect? Galatians 3.10 For it is written by Moses, Cursed, that is cursed to hell, is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Therefore, since none of us can keep God's commandments perfectly, we are all born into this world under the curse of the law and therefore are born into this world in a state of condemnation. So we are all, we are all born into this world under the same law Adam was under before he fell. Adam had to keep his Father in heaven's commandments perfectly. And therefore, we too are commanded to live our lives absolutely perfectly, which we know is impossible. And thus, we are all cursed to hell. This is called the covenant of works or the works of the law. There is no mercy in the covenant of works. Mercy is only obtainable because of the works of the second Adam, Jesus. Under the covenant of works, one breach of our Father's commandment, and we are cast into hell. Therefore, former Mr. Morality writes to his brethren in Galatia, Galatians 3.10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse of the law because the law demands perfection. None of us can follow the law perfectly and therefore the works of the law condemn us rightfully creating fear in us and we are thrown to the feet of Jesus crying out for mercy. When will Jesus have mercy? That is correct. When we fear Jesus, what does Jesus say about himself? Matthew 10, verse 28. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him, that would be me, Jesus, which is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. So Jesus exhorts again, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, fake churchgoers. When will Jesus have mercy? When we fear him. For he commands us to be perfect and he isn't kidding. So when Jesus says, I will have mercy, he means that he will not have mercy on fake church goers, for neither do they fear Jesus nor his command and demand for us to be perfect. It is only the true believer that experientially knows Jesus' demands and commands perfection and nothing less than perfection. But the natural man believer thinks Jesus said, just do the best you can 
to be perfect, and God will certainly understand. Therefore, those of us who are still natural men, professing believers are clueless, that Jesus commands and demands perfection of us in order for us to go to heaven. And thus we will never see our need to fly by faith to Christ's fulfillment of the moral law as his gift of perfect obedience to us via faith. Unless we first hear the thundering and the quaking of the law condemning us. Therefore, we must remember mercy never stands alone. Mercy is always tied to fear and it is God's command of perfection or holiness which must create fear in us if we are ever to come to salvation. So Jesus would exhort us today saying, I will have mercy and not fake churchgoers. When will Jesus have mercy upon us? When we hear the voice of Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments. Did Moses receive the Ten Commandments in peace and tranquility? Or in the thundering and quaking of Mount Sinai? What does the voice of Mount Sinai, where Moses received the Ten Commandments, sound like? It sounds like this. Exodus 19, verse 18. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke. Why was it altogether on a smoke? Because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quaked greatly. Verse 19. And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake. And what happened? God answered him by a voice. Did we hear that correctly? God actually has a voice. He can speak Hebrew. Is God fluent in English also? Let us read that again just to make sure. Verse 19, And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long, and waxed louder and louder. Moses spake, and what happened? That is right. God answered him by a voice. Well, what happened to these Jews when they heard the voice of God? Verse 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mount smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. Verse 19, And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Verse 20, 
And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces. Why? That you sin not. Verse 21. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. How many of us have heard the voice of the darkness of the law? The law can only convict and condemn. The law cannot save when it comes to the matter of salvation. It is only the voice of the law convicting us that our original sin is sin and that original sin is ineradicable while simultaneously demanding that we be perfect or holy. That will drive us to the righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith, which will be our ticket into heaven. Former Mr. Morality heard the voice of the law this way. Jesus unexpectedly revealed himself to former Mr. Morality, which was a great shock to him, for he thought Jesus was dead, having had helped lead the charge to have him crucified. So what happened? But former Mr. Morality is thrown to the ground by the voice of the law, for he is in the presence of holiness. And what is holiness? but the perfect fulfillment of the law. Acts 22, verse 6. And it came to pass that I, Mr. Morality, made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus. And about noon, suddenly, there shone from heaven a great light round about me. Verse 7. And I fell onto the ground, and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Verse 8, And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That is the pricks of the law, is it not? Verse 9. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him, Jesus, that spake to me. The way of election is such that there could be a thousand people hearing a sermon but only one person will hear the spiritual voice of the law and will cry out for mercy and fly by faith to the righteousness of Jesus Christ as his ticket into heaven. Just as when Adam and Eve heard the voice of God, they in fear hid themselves, for they innately knew that God could see with x-ray vision through their fig leaves of morality to their nakedness. Likewise, when we first hear the voice of God through the law, our evil proclivities of our sin nature come alive to us and damn us. And we at that moment genuinely agree with God for the first time. 
that we should be condemned to hell. That we might look to the righteousness of Jesus Christ to make us holy and fit for heaven. The reason that we as natural men can only feel the faint pricks of the law is because the law is spiritual. And it is only at the moment of salvation when we are made a new cre creature that we become spiritual and thus can experience and feel the full damning force of the law condemning us to hell. For our Lord circumcises our heart and we see the evil of heart, our heart just as he does, leaving us with only one option, but to fly to his gift of righteousness by faith as our ticket into heaven. Let us listen to former Mr. Morality in his own words as he explains the doctrine that was taking place in his life when it came to pass that about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me. Verse 7, And I fell unto the ground and heard the voice saying unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks, that is, the pricks of the law, is it not? Here is how former Mr. Moran explains the pricks of the law that Jesus acknowledged was happening to him. Romans 7, verse 9. I, former Mr. Morality, was alive without the law once. That is, I was without the law when I was without the true meaning of the law as a natural man preacher. For I believed in partial credit, just like everybody else does. But when the commandment came, that is, when I heard the true voice of the law, that is, that perfect really does mean perfect. Again, but when the commandment came, that is, the true meaning of the commandment came, sin revived and I died. That is, my sin nature revived. The evil of my sin nature was magnified greatly to me or the evil proclivities of my heart came experientially live to me and damned me for I knew it could not be rooted out or extinguished and all my morality could do was cover it up and I saw the uselessness of morality for the evil proclivities of my heart were condemning me no matter how much morality I could achieve. Verse 10. And the commandment which was ordained to life, falsely through partial credit, I found to be unto death. That is, the commandment that I thought would bring me eternal life through morality, that same commandment now was the loaded gun pointing at me, saying, my morality cannot root out original sin in any way, shape, or form. And therefore, I died to the works of the law as a means of salvation, that I might look to the righteousness of Jesus Christ as my ticket into heaven. Former Mr. Morality's personal testimony of how he was saved is the same way we all must be saved. We all must hear the voice of the law condemning us 
For without it, we will never flee by faith to the righteousness of Jesus Christ as our ticket into heaven. Let us now substitute ourselves into Paul's testimony by replacing we for I. For we were alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, that is our sin nature revived, and we died, verse 10, and the commandment which we thought was ordained to life, we found to be unto death. Just think about that. The commandment that we thought would bring us eternal life through morality, that same commandment now is the loaded gun pointing at us saying that our morality cannot root out original sin in any way, shape, or form. And so what do we do? We cry out as former Mr. Morality cried out, verse 24, Oh, wretched men that we are, who shall deliver us from the body of this death? Now being in captivity to the law of sin, we are right where we want to be. For when we are in captivity to the hopelessness of achieving perfection through morality, we are driven to flee to the righteousness of Jesus Christ for salvation. That is as our ticket into heaven. Now let us return to Jesus confronting the self-righteous Pharisee. Let us read this slowly and let us think about all that we have learned about the law and how the voice of the true meaning of the law comes in thunderings and quakings making us fear our holy Lord and cry out for mercy. So when Jesus says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice, who of us will he have mercy upon? Can we put it together, what Jesus is getting at? Publican Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. But when Jesus heard... That is why he was having dinner with low-life publicans. And he said unto them, the fake Bible teachers, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Verse 13. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, not fake churchgoers. But as fake churchgoers, we have no fear of God. For we do not believe perfect means perfect, and therefore will not cry out for mercy. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Jesus, Jesus is saying, I will only have mercy on those that demand, that know I demand perfection, which is impossible. For following my commands cannot eradicate the evil proclivities of our heart. And therefore, we as natural men are all born into this world sick. But we think we are whole. 
because we cover over the evil proclivities of our heart with Im with moralities. But those of us that are true believers do not use the law or commands of God to cover over our sin nature, but we use the law to expose our sin nature, putting us in a state of repentance that we might lay hold of the imputed righteousness of Christ as our perfect obedience to our Father in heaven's commands, making us holy. Thus, when God looks down from heaven and sees us wrapped in Christ's robe of righteousness by faith, he sees it as our own perfect obedience, and thus he sees us as whole. But from our perspective, all we can see is our wicked heart, which is ineradicable, and thus our ability to follow the law or morality is useless, and therefore we are sick and it is only by faith that we can believe we are whole. So the true believer is both whole and sick. It is sort of like if we broke our leg and the doctor puts a cast on our leg. We by faith believe our leg will be healed in a period of time. But in the meantime, we still have the cast on. So let us suppose that a broken leg is something we have never experienced or known anybody who had has experienced it. The doctor sets the leg and knows 100% for sure the leg will heal in time. But we, all we know is that we could not walk and the doctor puts on this cast and we are not sure it will heal. But we must trust by faith that the doctor is telling us, telling us the truth. In the meantime, we can't play sports, walk like normal, but can only hope the cast will be taken off someday. Likewise, the cast represents our sin nature with all its evil proclivities. And Jesus sets our leg by giving us much more power to control our evil proclivities from the acts of sin than we had as natural men. Thus, we look moral to the world. The evil proclivities of our heart as a new creation are greatly magnified, making us feel how really sick we are. And yet with tears of joy, we know we will be healed and the cast of our original sin will be removed. Hopefully, we have seen that Jesus has a lot of doctrinal knowledge packed into this analogy of the whole and the sick. So then knowing that the true believer is both whole and sick, let us conclude by seeing if we can apply the principle being both whole and sick simultaneously to these two verses. 1 John 3, 9. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. And now a seemingly contradictory verse, 1 John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is not in us. To be continued, until next time, the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. 
the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. In the name of Jesus, amen.